0: Hello and welcome to Life Beneath the Shallows, a place to explore all parts of ourselves in this human experience. I'm your host, Naya Lippmann, a 21-year-old musician, yogi, and holistic health enthusiast. And my mission for this podcast is to cultivate authenticity and vulnerability in a world that deeply needs it. I am here to create space for more realness and connection online, Join me weekly as I navigate the world of health, self-development, and spiritual embodiment. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi guys, and welcome back to the podcast. This week we have an amazing guest. Her name is Jade Klein. I am so honored and excited to have such a caring, talented, and close friend of mine on the podcast today. Jade Klein is an analytics consultant working in government and Web3 industries. She is a professional model and polymath. Basically, she's an all-around Renaissance gal. Her mission is to embody and integrate masculinity and femininity through various modalities, such as ecstatic dance being her specialty. Jade is a close friend of mine and... I met her earlier in this year, and I feel like we've grown so close in such a short amount of time, and I'm just so grateful to have her on the podcast today and have you guys listen in on our conversation. One of the most important things that I have learned from our friendship is just how sweet and fulfilling it can feel to have such a loyal, caring, and generous friend in my life. So without further ado, please welcome Jade Klein to Life Beneath the Shallows.
1: Thank you, Naya, that was such an amazing intro. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast and really just love all of the juicy vulnerability that you show. I think it's incredible to show others that we're human and show the other sides, you know, life beneath the shallows. I think it's just an incredible podcast. So thank you.
2: Oh, thank you. So excited. So I want to dive right in and I want to implement a new section into my podcast with guests and ask, do you have any morning routines, daily rituals that you practice? Um, And to dive a little deeper, are any of those non negotiables And what I mean by that is like every day, this is something that you really need to do and it's important to you.
1: Yeah. So definitely. First thing when I wake up, I like to change the words of waking up. Like I, I used to have a schedule where I would have eight a.m. wake up time, ten a.m. go and study, eleven a.m. go do be productive. But I learned that those words are powerful in associations. So. There's this really amazing podcast episode from Aubrey Marcus where he speaks with Laurel Erica and she speaks about the power of words and we kind of spoke about this a little bit beforehand but she helped me identify that the words that I chose were essentially you know they they were associating negatives with that particular you know, words. So waking up, I just felt like I was like cracking a whip at myself. I was was like, get up, go be productive, go do something with your life. And that just made me not want to do it. It was, there was so much resistance. And so just changing the words to rising instead of waking up and learning instead of being productive Those words that instill wonder in our lives, that help bring us back to our inner child instead of trying to be productive and make value with every second of your life. So those those shifts in the wording has really helped me rise in the morning and start my routine. So that's the beginning is changing the associations.
2: I love that. Do you have any like affirmations real quick? Like did it it within your wording of the day, is there any specific like affirmations that you speak to yourself in the morning?
1: So I have been <laughs> as a Virgo, I definitely can get very perfectionist with my wordings. And I think that I am still in this in a the hunt of finding an affirmation that feels right for me, but I in general you know have this practice where i you know sit down at my dining room table and i do a body scan to see like how i'm feeling and giving myself love and nourishment in the morning so i don't have an affirmation but i'm definitely wanting to incorporate that because it would be very powerful to do that
2: i like the idea of a body scan though as well like just checking in with yourself cuz often we don't take the time to even ask ourselves, like, how am I feeling this morning? Like, where's my body at? What do I need? Like, we don't always wake up intuitively and do that. And so I actually like that even better. Because then from that place, you can even um, cultivate your affirmation from that place, right? Like maybe you need a little bit of extra self love, or maybe you need some confidence or some bravery or whatever it is, you know, that you're needing that day. I like that a lot.
1: Absolutely. It has been an essential part of my routine. Uh, As soon as I rise in the morning, I sit down and do my body scan. I see where I'm holding tension and then, uh, you know, because it changes from from day to day. You know, we're complex beings. We're multifaceted. And there are parts that come up at different times and we you know parts that need different levels of nourishment and it can be really hard to prescribe that we're not taught in society how to placate the different parts of us
2: totally i i very much agree with that and i i resonate with it too because i feel like there's a lot what comes up for me when you talk about that is how like for example i was just sick recently and i i give myself so much Judgment and criticism when I'm sick, and it's such a big thing in our society. I think it's like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to. You know, I had all this planned for this week, and and I wasn't able to do a lot of it, and and so then I made my worth less because of that, right? Because I was like, well, maybe it's my fault. I should have taken better care of my immune system or whatever. But I feel like when we are more intuitive and we allow ourselves to check in in the morning, and let's say you're not feeling well and you allow yourself to go about your day based on that instead of this drive mentality and like push through which we still need that energy we still need that like that forceful kind of masculine energy at times but then also we need to be gentle because we just run ourselves to the point of burnout you know and we're not going to end up where we want to go
1: yeah yeah that's so true it's it's definitely we are taught to you know take pride in the masculinity and the masculine energy of doing accomplishing producing results and but that's what i love about this this time this era is really about learning to integrate the feminine into the masculine and vice versa and it's so beautiful and meaningful to share that with you and everyone that I've met in the past couple of years like it's just been kind of like a rocket ship of of integration and transformation that has led us to where I am where you are where we both are sharing that in union is just so beautiful.
2: Yeah, I so agree with that. So that leads me into my next question is, is I would, I would love for you to share with everyone a little bit about your story. You can start as far back as you'd like. Um, But more specifically, how how you were led to healing your divine feminine, because I know that's something that you and I have both talked about so much. And it's something we connected on when we first met. Um, And so I would love to hear, like, what brought you to your your inner healing work, your journey, your spiritual journey Um, and just start wherever you feel you'd like to.
1: Okay, so. It all starts in New Jersey, <laughs> um, an, a state that is not very well known for its nourishing elements. That is for sure. It is a very hyper-masculine type of environment where there's a lot of doing and not a lot of being. And so I was mostly raised in New Jersey. I was definitely an awkward duckling <laughs> i was I was in in middle school I was in marching band, jazz band, regular band. I wrote the most ridiculous songs in the world that made absolutely no sense and I would sing it to everyone that didn't want to listen to it. I you know, it it was so funny and it was so, but it was so freeing. It was so freeing to do all of that and not have a care in the world. Like I was fully expressing myself, being my authentic self at every point in my, in my life at that, up till the age of 14, when I was like, okay, like, we are we're not doing too well in um the dating arena so maybe let, let's change this up a little bit right so i uh, decided when i was 14 transitioning into high school to kind of lock those parts of myself namely the inner child in the basement of my psyche so it was definitely um a cutting off of That authenticity in exchange for popularity and it was very challenging because I just had really like no clue what I was doing I was one of the only multiracial girls in my school and I didn't fit in with you know either the the Asians which I'm half Chinese And I didn't fit in with the, uh, like, white either. So it it was just very confusing because I was trying out these different personas, but being rejected in either of them. And I remember it was, I just didn't feel pretty. And I felt that I was being rejected in every sense of my being, but it wasn't. A conscious thing. I wasn't consciously aware of the rejections, and I was just trying so hard to fit in and not Mm. knowing why. And I was I was teased by boys. I'd say I wouldn't say bully, but teased is probably the right word in this in this sense. And I just I didn't know who I was. I was following the footsteps of society of my friends of my family because you know something wasn't working and i was like okay if i conform then maybe something good will happen but i i didn't know who i was and so once i went to college that was at least somewhat of a freeing experience because i started getting prettier i miraculously grew boobs (laughs) and I was you know attractive at least like in the in the general sense and I was running with that though I think in an unhealthy way the my sexuality was repressed for so long and I was being rejected by boys for so long that once I became attractive and I went to a different environment, my ego went wild, (laughs) just going from party to party, smoking a lot of marijuana, drinking a lot of alcohol, and just trying to find who I am without actually knowing that I was doing that.
2: Oh, I can so relate to that. Yeah, those, it's like, such a feeling of that middle school age is such an intense age where it's like, especially, and it all depends on basically how fast you're hitting puberty. It's the funniest thing, right? Like, so the girls that are, you know, developing and, and are confident are getting more attention. And it's like, all of this creates this, this image we have of ourselves and no matter how much work we do, you know, it's like, until we address that part, we almost stay stuck in that we stay like stuck in that age and that development you know
1: definitely and i i was definitely stuck in that i think in that in that development period for uh for a while for probably up until i moved to boulder but um yeah it was definitely in extended period of me trying to experiment and uh failing but um being just like (sighs) being so attached to wanting to succeed that i would whip myself for not seeing positive results and it was very damaging to my psyche, and it was very damaging to my ability to really find who I was because I was experimenting for others. I was trying to see what molds I fit into,
2: yeah, it's like that outward validation that we're all craving and we're taught to crave. so it's not it's not even our faults, really, but it is our job to rewire it. And that's one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do and that I'm still working through is is realizing that my worth is is does not come from other people. It does not come from what somebody writes about me, what somebody says about me, what my parents think. like it doesn't come from anyone. It comes from me and and the reason is because no matter what people say, if I don't believe it, where's the truth in it, right? Mm. So I totally resonate with that. And I'm curious if you want to dive deeper into like the relationship to the female. And maybe like your experience with that and what that looked like,
1: yeah, no, I think that's a really great segue and I I think that I can start off with you know really really being in my masculine for so long like I think that I was really I really valued the masculine up until pre- probably the age of 25. So only a couple of years ago, really. And so I graduated with a degree in physics, a very logical, very masculine kind of study. And I was attached to that. I was attached to being validated in my intellect, in my logical prowess and power and I did not surround myself with a lot of women I only had male friends and I like to keep it that way because at least in New Jersey I just felt constantly threatened by women it never felt safe it never felt safe to express you know everyone Not everyone, because I don't want to generalize, but in New Jersey, at least, it's very like, I'm queen bee. Like, I'm the queen bee. Like, you know, everyone has to know that I'm the best, I'm the hottest. And I would just feel so uncomfortable with that. And that's why I shut my door to the feminine, because it hurt me time and time again. But fast forwarding, I would say that, you know... I moved out to Boulder for the reason to connect with my feminine. I didn't know it at the time, but I knew that I was deficient in something and Boulder was calling to me. And so I moved out. I got a job as an analyst, moved out to Boulder, was able to support myself, very grateful. And from there, started the journey to starting a relationship with my feminine so and and i would say it took me probably 3 to 4 years to really start this relationship with my feminine in boulder it was definitely mo- colorado is definitely more of a feminine type of state i would say um but i was still not completely safe to express and during the pandemic i was just coming off of working at a political campaign. So that ended right into the pandemic. And I took a two-year sabbatical. I was just like, you know, I have, you know, so much, so much has been changing so quickly. I changed jobs. I changed industries probably three times at that point. And I just needed, I needed to stop because I knew that there was something off that I needed to investigate. And during this time, I went to therapy. I got really amazing, world class therapy from Naropa. And my therapist really helped me to start validating my emotions, my emotional experiences, because. Of all of the rejections of my past, of my sexuality, of my self-expression, of my silliness, my child, all of that, I had built up so many barriers to the world because I was hurt time and time again. But she helped me connect to my emotions. We did a lot of somatic practices. She was well-versed in behavioral cognitive therapy, where you go through situations and you sit with your emotions, you sit with your sensations in your body. I would go over a scenario and she would, she would say, you know, oh, like, how does that feel in your body? And we would go over that and then it would allow me to feel it out and to connect to my feminine instead of trying i would try so hard to logically solve the problem i'd be like i'm feeling this because you know of this person and they made me feel this way and it'd be so logical and i just wouldn't be validating the actual emotions i'd be hiding from the feelings because they were so painful
2: Mm. i feel like that's a really important piece to dive into is like, how we can very analytical minds, which I relate to on that I'm very I think about everything so intensely. And even in therapy, I can, I can kind of cheat myself, I would like to say, because it's really me, right? I'm showing up for myself. So yes, the therapist's job is to guide you. But I can cheat myself out of experiencing emotions I can, I've navigated so long, figuring out how to avoid certain things and distract. And I think that's, there's so many ways we can intellectually kind of distract and bypass our own feeling. And it's so easy when you have the knowledge up here in your mind. I th- I feel like to me dropping into the feminine is like really in your heart and like in your like down here in your sacral, like just really like that grounding, like soft energy. And I was curious, like to you, because I know maybe some of the listeners know what divine feminine, divine masculine, what that means. And it means something different for everyone. But to you, I guess, what is, what does it feel like? What does it mean to feel in your divine
1: feminine? In my divine feminine, to me, it feels the sensation of groundedness the sensation that there is no need to strive for more that everything is perfectly as it is and that we can enjoy and just bask in you know the wholeness bask in the wholeness that that life is providing us at every moment and i can't i can't tap into that at every moment, but I'm, I'm learning to sustain it for longer and longer.
2: Yeah, that's so beautiful. I totally agree. And so is is there any like practices that you, I know you talked about you do somatic work with your therapist, or you did that to help kind of ground into your divine feminine? Is there any other practices that you did that you found were like actually helpful that you felt a change after?
1: Ecstatic dance. A hundred percent. I I think that ecstatic dance has been the portal of my transformation in so many ways. Without ecstatic dance, I we wouldn't have met actually. We wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation without ecstatic dance. And so it's it's brought me so many beautiful things, so much wisdom, so much connection, so much. Wholeness. I know
2: it's so crazy how we met. Actually, I probably should have started the episode with that, but oh well. We, Jade, and I met through a mutual friend, Zella, in Santa Barbara. So I was born in Santa Barbara and I was visiting for my birthday, actually. And Jade had just met Zella at an ecstatic dance that she was hosting. And so they had literally just met, you know, in that recent time and they were jade and her her partner zach were visiting from colorado so we were both like in santa barbara at the same time and um i think my friend harmony had invited you over for like a my barbecue my birthday barbecue and i was just immediately like so i just was so attracted by your presence when you came in and your style and and your energy and and then throughout the week that I was there for my birthday, I feel like we connected so deeply and it was just so easy to talk. And I'm, I don't have that very often where I feel like I can just talk and I don't feel judged and I don't feel like I have to filter myself. And I feel like that's really special because for me, like with my experience with the feminine, I don't feel that way. I usually feel super judgmental myself. And I just think that I'm being too much or too loud or talking too much or whatever it comes up for me. And with you, I really did not feel that way at all. And so I just immediately was so happy to have made that connection. And and so, yeah, I mean, it's a little backstory on how we met, but back to your ecstatic dance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I, yeah, I I would say that this was after the two years sabbatical. So after after two years of pandemic time where I was kind of incubating, I had, my my partner Zach and I decided to go out to Santa Barbara. He was going for a retreat and we were only going to plan to stay in Santa Barbara for around two weeks. I had a job at the time. We decided, you know, two weeks after the fact that we just, we really wanted to stay in Santa Barbara. We didn't know exactly why, but it just felt right. And so that, that had led us to staying in Santa Barbara for like three months, (laughs) going from a two week, two week vacation to three months. But it was such a beautiful experience because in that time, we got to go to Zella's ecstatic dance. Shout out to Zella. Uh, Love you so much. And I was through that meeting, which I found on Facebook, which I don't typically go on Facebook to find events. We were actually supposed to go to an ecstatic dance the day before. But we, we felt a little tired, so we decided to go find another event. We stumbled across Zella's, and it turns out that we're the only one there that doesn't know anyone. So it was just – it was such an incredible experience because – the two years of transformation, where I had processed a lot of my insecurities, especially around women, I was throwing myself into an environment where I didn't know anyone, surrounded by these beautiful women that I was just like, you know, I was dressed, I actually wore this outfit that <laughs> I'm wearing right now to Zella's ecstatic dance. And that's where I met Harmony. And so In the ecstatic dance, I I was moving, I was moving my hips, I was moving my body, and I was feeling these sensations of fear come up every time that I had, that was my first ecstatic dance, and so I felt very afraid of how others would see me, how they would judge me. In my movements, in my flow, Um, do I look graceful? Um, Are they thinking that I'm trying to compete with them? Are, Are you know, what are they feeling? I would be always worrying about what others are feeling and then compounded with what I was feeling would just, you know, take me in a spiral downwards of saying yes to that fear and letting that dictate my my following movements. But there was a point in the ecstatic dance where I saw harmony. And, um, I, when I first saw her, I was so, I was so afraid. I was so afraid to, to engage with her because she was so, she was so beautiful and put together. And I remember that I just, I really liked her pants. (laughs) and i i walked over to her and i complimented her on her pants and then i found out that she was the most like amazing incredible like non-judgmental very understanding very grounded woman and the fears that i had in my mind prior to engaging with her were You know, they were wrong, the projections that I held of her, you know, like, oh, is she, you know, she's so pretty, like, you know, is she going to, you know, judge me? Is she going to try to, you know, um, overcome me in my power? Am I going to do that to her? All of these, all of these fears had up until that point um, been been dictating my decision to even Go up to her. And when I finally decided that, you know, no, like I have no idea what she is thinking, I'm just going to go up to her and compliment her pants, I did. And then we became really close after that. And she invited me over, uh Zach and I over. And then we got to meet you and Ari and Jackson and just like everyone. And so that decision that was made from not agreeing to fear when I was doing my ecstatic dance. And although like the, the fear was coming in me and I was just, I, I really just didn't want to engage with like a lot of people. Like I allowed myself to just be be in fear but not let it make decisions for me
2: thank you so much for sharing that i love to hear i didn't actually know that that was your first ecstatic dance and i had a similar experience so for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what ecstatic dance is um, it's basically people hosted events at the beach they could be a silent disco at somebody's home or forever and there's really amazing music that usually is more spiritually oriented usually helps you feel more grounded and the whole goal so to speak is to really just be in your body to me that's what it means is like to be around other people and to hold your own space number one like create your own container and allow yourself to move without judgment of others judgment of self and usually that experience it'll bring up that naturally, like, you'll naturally have a judgment of yourself and others, because it's such an uncomfortable thing at first, if you don't do it. And I had a very similar experience the first couple times that I did it. And I'm still like, you know, I haven't, I haven't practiced as much as you and Zach have of going out and putting myself out in that way. But I definitely know that the more you do it, like the more you just dance in public, in general, the more comfortable you are in your own space. It's like an incredible tool for healing. Um, It's an incredible tool for letting go of caring what other people think about you. And, um, and so thank you for sharing that. And this is a great tool for those listening. If you are looking for a way to tap into your feminine or your masculine, or maybe you're looking for a way to integrate both, ecstatic dance is an awesome way of doing this and almost every community i've heard of it has has community communal ecstatic dances available and um you know obviously you want to be careful and you want to make sure that you feel safe and you want to take care of yourself and be able to hold your boundaries but um other than that i think they're really awesome awesome spaces to explore yourself
1: yeah i i fully Agree with it. I think ecstatic dance gets kind of a bad, um, maybe not a bad reputation, but it it has uh certain associations with it because of the wording. So everyone, everyone, when they hear ecstatic dance, they're like, oh, it's fun. It's like you're supposed to be ecstatic, you're supposed to, you know, have fun, it's a party. However, um, it, you know, it can mean whatever you want it to mean, depending on what comes up. But the reason that it's so powerful is like you're saying is you're in you're not in judgment of others. And when you can create a safe container for yourself and others to move in whatever ways that you want, then that translates to the mind. It's like we are so conditioned in our society, like in high school dances, for example, like that's when, you know our hormones are starting to like you know really like ramp up and we want to be seen we want to attract we want to look good and that further enforces the um the feelings the desire to look sexy or to look graceful in the way that you move but that is very that is very damaging because it doesn't allow yourself to move ungracefully, to move silly, to move in other ways that express the spectrum of our being.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking about, like, why you were speaking, like, high school dances and middle school dances and the shame and the uncomfortability I had at those. And the, the like, especially if you're not, like, or I wasn't confident in my body during those ages, you know, cause I was going through a lot of changes as well. And so just being in a room full of other people, it was like a social experiment, like, and it, and this ecstatic dance is like the same thing that like you're saying, but grown up and everyone there is actually trying to better themselves and trying to heal. And for the most part, I I do think it's good to bring up the point that a lot of things in the spiritual community, whatever you want to call that, can be looked at as like wonky or weird or off-putting because they go against traditional society. They go against what we were taught as kids. You know, we weren't taught to express ourselves freely. Um, We weren't taught to move our bodies in kind of silly ways. Um, And yet those are the most freeing things you can do for yourself um, because you're letting go of basically restraints restraints and limitations that you know you've put on yourself on your mind or that others have put on to you and I've had a couple experiences at ecstatic dance when people wanted to do contact dancing and it was really uncomfortable and I didn't want to I didn't want to dance with other people I was there to to be comfortable with myself and at the time I didn't know how to set a boundary and be like, you know, no, thank you. Like I would like, you know, thank you so much, but I'm, I'm here for myself kind of. And so I feel like that's a cool thing that to just be aware of, like if you're going to go to an ecstatic dance and you're not really wanting to dance with others, you know, learn how to how to use your voice and be super respectful because no one, like I guarantee you, no one's going to get offended in those communities. And if they do like F them because you need to respect yourself and And maybe you don't go back to that ecstatic dance, you know, and it's, it's, it, it requires this extreme level that no one talks about of bravery to work on yourself, to heal. It requires a level of courage and whole like open heartedness to go into these situations. Not that ecstatic dance is the only way to heal. But for example, it it is, it's, it's intense at first and it can be uncomfortable and, You know, maybe you you bring a friend at first. Like that's what I would do is I would go with Ariana and we would go to Santa Barbara, the ecstatic dances there, and kind of experiment. And I started to get more comfortable by doing that. An important piece of going into any social situation when you're working on yourself is speaking your boundaries, knowing your truth, knowing how to put up an energetic shield because it can be draining to be around people that aren't respectful of of your energy. And that's kind of a, a little tangent, but so we talked about ecstatic dance and how it's really led you to opening up your divine feminine and healing your relationship with yourself, connecting with yourself and it's transformed you. And so I want to talk about like, what is lighting you up in your life right now? What are you passionate about? And maybe you can even kind of talk about your experience with your, um, remind me of the name of the class you were taking.
1: Oh, yeah. So the animal flow. Yeah, Uh, let's talk about that a little. Yeah. So I would say what's lighting me up right now is allowing myself to flow more freely in my feelings and, you know, just accepting myself where I am in my experience and, it's definitely through dance that allows me to do that. Um, and it's it's just an incredible tool for me. And everyone's going to have different ways of self-expression. But I would say that um, dance and movement are definitely my tools to connect with myself and to vibrate higher. And um just allow for just anything to unfold i was really inspired to get into animal flow because i went to a gym uh, called um it's called ape co movement now in boulder and it is inspired by ito portal which he is he is a brilliant mover he integrates martial arts dance gymnastics just like all these different forms of movement. He breaks it down and he puts it into a form of a more like primal type of movement. Like he teaches you how to, you know, in in these classes that I was taking at the Ape Co movement, you would be walking like a lizard and you would just be like, you know, on your, um almost like on your belly and just like walking like a lizard or you'd be walking like an ape or a crab and just doing all of these really um, incredible movements that blended strength and mobility. So it's blending this, the masculine part of movement, which is, you know, being strong, but also blending the feminine, which is being able to be mobile, to be able to move your joints in, you know, all the directions that, you know, it's supposed to, but uh, we don't (laughs) get to because we're such a stagnant society and so after my experience there I decided to get animal flow certification because I really want to teach ecstatic dance to others and get people more primal and get you know get really low to the ground I love groundwork because when you're more connected to the ground you can feel you can you can at least be in my opinion, more connected with yourself. You're activating more muscle groups. You're getting in touch with your core. You're breaking up a lot of stagnant energies in your root chakra, your sacral, um, and it's coming in and out of you. It's just a very powerful primal connection to self that brings up anything and everything. So that's really one of my one of my dreams is to lead an ecstatic dance where, you know, we get really feral. And like, you know, maybe I like we like braid each other's hair beforehand, do like tribal braids and like do like tribal markings and just do lots of lots of groundwork where we're moving our shoulders and our hips and really unlocking um, a lot of these parts of us that don't get moved throughout the day.
2: I am so excited to see you um, create this, this passion project. And I'm, I would love to attend it, you know, one day. And um, I feel like that's such a, such a cool idea to blend, you know, this, these animal flows with ecstatic dance because it gives people it's almost like teaching people how to dance, right? Like you're, you're giving people a guideline for how to move their bodies, especially when you don't know how to can feel uncomfortable. So I feel like that's awesome, like a very needed gift that you're offering. And I feel like, um, it's, it's another way to, to also like express different parts of yourself, right? Like expressing the more like strong and like, courageous part of yourself and then expressing like a more softer. And it's like, I can just totally visualize exactly what you're talking about. And, um, I'm super excited for you. I feel like it's inspiring to see people that are on their, on their path of growth that are committed to healing themselves. And through that, you know, you've now found a new passion and you, you know, who knows where that will lead. And I really think that that is an amazing path to follow. And um, it's awesome to see what kind of things come, come from our own, our own healing work, you know, and those are the things I think that will lead you to a more meaningful life, because you know, firsthand what it feels like to not feel comfortable in those situations. And you know what it feels like to maybe not know how to move your body in a way that feels good. And so you can now help others to express and I, I just think that's so amazing
1: yeah it's it's really a blessing to be able to move, and we're learning more about how the mind and body are interconnected and how we store emotions in our body in what is known as the connective tissues, our fascia we're We're learning more, and science is uncovering how this is happening and how it is interconnected with our nervous system. As well as our immune system, and endocrine system is just connected to everything. And when we're so stagnant, as you know, throughout throughout the day, and we experience emotions, if we don't move it out of our system, if we don't move, if we don't breathe, if we're not mindful of it, then it will suppress. It won't flow in and out of you it will store in your mind body and you will continue to experience the similar cycles of emotions when certain memories are triggered like for example if you were rejected from just like anything like if you were rejected from asking someone out for example that's going to bring up you know you know sadness that's going to bring up fear, sadness, anger, um, and you're going to continue to experience these until you fully process it and let it come in and out of you. And that's what the ecstatic dance, that's a type of tool that you can use to allow for that flow. But there are others like breath work as well as mindfulness too.
2: Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And it reminded me of this video I saw on Instagram. I forget, you know, who posted it, but I just remember it stuck with me and it was a a video of a deer getting hit and, and then when it, it didn't get hurt, but it had to physically shake right for a couple of minutes to shake out the trauma from that experience. So the deer is shaking and then it gets up and it trots away and it's totally fine. Right. And what they were talking about in that video is how we are the same way. We are animals, right? And when we experience a trauma, no matter how big or small, it it if we don't literally shake it out of our bodies, like shake it out, like dance, sweat, run. That's why I think a lot of people are addicted to exercise and working out because it's a good way to quite literally move through your experience. If we don't do that, we're naturally going to feel depressed. We're going to feel stuck, we're gonna feel like confused as to why we feel like crap all the time. And it's because there's this backed up emotional kind of vomit we need to get rid of, so to speak, you know, and it's not pleasant. It's not pretty. It's something that we need to be aware of though, I think, is like the power of like shaking and tribal shaking. And I remember I I to be honest, I don't practice this as much as I want to. But it's something that just reminded me that I want to do that more. Because when you like if you've had an experience, like let's say you got in a car accident or, you know, a physical traumatic experience and and you do some ecstatic dance or some healing and some shaking like I guarantee you the the healing time will decrease, you know, and I just think it's so crazy how we have all these tools that are just I mean, now they're becoming more mainstream. but for so long, they weren't really talked about. They were shamed. Um, They were made to look weird or uncomfortable. And really, these are like the, the tools that will unlock our greatest potential and our freedom to let go of that because we don't need to hold on to all that stuff. You know, it's not, we're not experiencing it anymore. And yet, because we don't let it go, we consistently are re-experiencing our traumas on a day-to-day basis. And that's such a, such a crazy thing to think about and it's just it's just good to be aware of you know maybe maybe try when you're alone to just shake out your body and see what that feels like and do it till you feel something good because it doesn't feel great at first I can tell you it feels a little awkward (laughs) feels a little uncomfortable you know your inner critic will come up but once you get past that point it's like you get this rush of like endorphins and you feel like high almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's so true. And yeah, it's just it can be very complicated because there's all of these different parts of us existing in just one of us. And we develop these parts early on in childhood from we we are taught from our parents, from our family on how to. You know, connect with our world. Like, how should we how should we behave? And we have all of these parts instilled in us, like the child versus the adult. The you know, and further on in our development, we uh, you know have other parts that form too. Like, I like to call this part the succubus, like or the or the incubus for the male. Um, But there's the succubus that really wants to be desired and really wants to look amazing and sexy. And maybe she doesn't do it in the healthiest of ways. And, you know, she wants to go out and get validated. And that can lead to, you know, sexual traumas that she represses because she's not comfortable telling others about those experiences and constantly going in cycles of, um, triggering those sexual traumas, you know, doing one night stands with not the best of characters and then spiraling into depression and, you know, re re upping the cycle, continuing to, to traumatize.
2: I feel like as you were saying that I got like a download that you know, that's such, I feel like that's such an important part of the work you are doing and you will do is working with women specifically and feeling that, that specific, you know, area, because that in itself is so needed. You know, I don't know specific statistics, but I can probably guess that if there was three of us in a room, you know, two out of three of us have experienced some sort of, you know, sexual trauma and it's sad, it's sad, but we're, working towards a society where women are becoming more empowered and being able to say no, being able to speak their truth. There's so much beauty and light in the world that I want to, you know, also mention. And so I'm excited to see the work that you do with that. And I'm, I'm proud of you for taking that step because it's not, it's not something everyone wants to do. And, and we need people like that who want to help and, and who have actually been there. Because I think that's an important aspect. It's like, if you've been there, you know how to take someone and pull them out of there and help them to kind of have that reclamation of self. So I'm super excited to see that process. I wanted to end the podcast with some rapid fire questions, quick little answers, but just coming from the heart. The first question is, What is one thing that if you were 21, you would tell your 21-year-old self?
1: I would tell her that I am so proud of her and that I love her so much. She is just incredible as she is, and she doesn't need to get validation from others. She can get the validation through herself.
2: Mm, Yeah, I think that's so important. Thank you for that. Everyone practices meditation differently. I'm curious how you practice being present and mindful. I know ecstatic dance is one thing. Is there any other ways that you practice meditation?
1: Yeah, so I like to listen to solfeggio frequencies. I think that is, I think music for me in particular is very helpful for me to go into an emotion that is coming up like I love listening to tool if I'm feeling fear I love to listen to blues if I'm feeling sad um but also solfeggio frequencies for tapping into the different chakras like the throat chakra I'm really working through and speaking my truth and feeling confident in that
2: Mm, I love that I as a person who is super passionate about sound healing as well. I totally agree. And I, I feel like, um, like, even if I'm having insomnia or anxiety, like my go to has always been to look up something on YouTube, some, some sort of healing frequency or meditation, any, any binaural beats, any frequencies that kind of ease the mind ease the tension, the mind. I love that. The next is, do you have any favorite podcasts or books right now?
1: Yes. So I would definitely say, uh, some of my favorite podcasts, almost 30. I love that podcast. It, uh, is such a, such a divine, um, such a diverse and divine set of, um, speakers. And I just, I just love the range of, just all of it. And Aubrey Marcus too. I really love, um, you know, the more like spiritual health oriented um, wholeness, holistic health types of podcasts. So almost 30 and definitely the Aubrey Marcus podcast.
2: Awesome. I, I haven't listened to almost 30 that much. I've listened to maybe one or two episodes, but I do like it. And, and the Aubrey Marcus podcast, I didn't even listen to until. I met you and Zach, I didn't know who he was. So that's also such a fun connection. There's so many little synchronicities in our friendships. And I just so love it. It's so magical.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. When you're having,
2: let's say, quote, unquote, a bad day. What do you do to try to help yourself get out of a funk?
1: What I do is I, um, I, I stop everything that I'm doing. i I if I'm having a funky day, I just I stop trying to be productive. I stop trying to be what I'm not. and i'm tr- I try to step into that funkiness, that funkiness frequency. And just, you know, go take a nap or go take a bath or listen to music. i I just try to step into my feminine is what I try to do.
2: Mm, I love that. I feel like so often when I'm in a funk, I'm like, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this, right? But I actually do like that piece of leaning into it, right? Leaning into what feels uncomfortable because oftentimes the more we lean into it, the more it dissipates and the more, it it reminds me of that movie, what is it called? Um, with the the different feelings, like sad, happy, joy. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: It's an animated movie. I I don't think I've seen it.
2: I don't think I've seen it. It's such a good movie. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to figure this out. Anyone who's listening probably knows the, the title. It's a movie that's animated and each feeling has like a character to it. When you talk to it as if it's its own presence, right? Like if you talk to your emotion or your feeling as if it's an actual entity, an actual part of yourself, like the internal family systems work too oftentimes all it needs is a little attention and a little compassion, and then it, it'll ease up, you know, when we're feeling that anxiety or that stress. So that's a tool that I've been kind of diving into lately as well.
1: That's incredible. That's incredible work. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to be able to have those emotions heard. And we just are so quick like you were saying before, to try to get out of the state, try to switch uh, over very quickly. How can I get out of this? You know, right. So it's, it's, it's important, though, for for those parts of us to feel heard.
2: Mm. Yeah, definitely. All right. The last question I would like to ask of you is if you could leave, you know, the listeners of this podcast with one piece of advice Or anything that you feel from your heart you'd like to share, what would it be?
1: I would say, don't take life so seriously. I would say, you know, try to find the divine in every moment. Try to make the mundane magical.
2: Mm, Thank you so much, Jade. It's been so awesome having this. Conversation with you, and I know that the listeners will just love this. How can people get a hold of you and and stay in touch with your your transformation, your growth, especially with this new project you're working on? How can people reach you?
1: Yeah, so I would say definitely through Instagram uh, at Jade Klein, and uh, that's how that's the way that most people can reach me. I am definitely setting up going to be setting up websites for some of my other endeavors so definitely going to be staying tuned for that but I also just wanted to add that I had written some poems that I was hoping to maybe um recite um on the podcast with you because guys yes I would love that and i just i just wanted to say that i was just so inspired by your creativity when we first met at the barbecue for your birthday i just saw you in flow singing so beautifully and i still want to hear that song that you were playing because it was so beautiful and it made me cry um and so yeah you just you really inspired me to connect with my creativity and so that's what led to these poems.
2: Thank you so much. That's so sweet, and and I actually remember that day so specifically. I think it might have been one of the best days of my life, and well, I don't mean I don't mean to say over that over dramatically, but I w- it was just one of the best birthdays I've ever had. I was like sitting around with people that were just so pure, you know. Not all of them were my best friends, you know. You I had be- just met, but everyone there was just so kind. So present, like no one was on their phones. You know, we were at the year in Santa Barbara in the mountains, like singing by the fire. And I just remember really connecting back to, like you said, I was in flow. And I, for a while, I haven't, you know, been in my in my flow with music. And so that moment was like so special. And again, I just love the synchronicities of our friendship so far. And and yeah, I would love for you to share your poems. Thank you for for telling me about that
1: yeah they're two poems they're sister poems they are 11 verses each um so it's 11 11 on and today is 11 11 actually so I just oh my goodness I totally did not realize that (laughs) that's so special
2: not surprised
1: yeah, and you know, i i didn't even I didn't even plan it. i I planned that they were going to be eleven verses each because I've been seeing eleven eleven like everywhere, but I didn't plan to say it on eleven eleven. So I thought that was really special. The first one is called Scare City. Restless minds silently judging, unceasingly secreting fear. Fragmented soul, no one can know. Defeat is near, I'm losing control. Hurry up, don't waste time. Revere higher self, for she is wise. Imbibe her lies of low vibe despise. Deny the divine truth of life, that every stitch in time is sublime. Every sensation is of the grand design. Slowly unwinding, finding I.
2: Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that.
1: What a lyricist. That was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. yeah, I've I've definitely um, this is the first time that I'm reciting this uh, in completion um to another being and it's so special that it's you. So thank you so much for listening. The next poem is called a Bun Dance. Feelings flowing, freeing my being, lo and behold, mind agreeing. Body jiggling, wiggling, giggling, shaking and waking, the forsaken aching. Seeing over fleeing, heard over hurt, flirting with the idea of feeling enough. Crawling while bawling, releasing inner child from years of exile and defiling denial. Let's not judge, for she knows not what she does. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Live and let live so we can start redesigning the scripts and speak this story into existence. I love her. Every part. I am the Divine Mother.
2: Mm, Wow, Jade, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. I love poetry. I've been so inspired to write in that way. I don't often write before I create chords when I'm like writing music. Um, But poetry is such a fun expression, especially if you're someone that's very expressive and creative. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I have had such an amazing time.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, sister. I love you so much. And I really enjoyed our conversation today.
2: For those listening, I'll leave all of Jade's info in the show notes and stay tuned for all of her creations.